Hello, I'm Ken Bruce. I appeared as a guest on My Time Capsule, and after that I had to give up a job I'd had for 46 years. <sighs> anyway, they want me to tell you that they've started a thing called Acast Plus, where for a small monthly fee you can get the podcast ad-free. For me, I think the ad's are the best thing in it. That Fenton Stevens, he does drone on a bit. Anyway, whatever you like, do something and have a go at it. ACAS Plus, my time capsule. Thanks, Ken. Charming. Anyway, to get my time capsule ad-free and for a bonus my time capsule, the debrief episode every week, subscribe to ACAS Plus. Details in the description of this episode. Thanks. Bloody Ken Bruce, what a cheek. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello again, and welcome to My Time Capsule. This is the podcast where I ask people what five things from their life they would like to preserve in a time capsule. They can choose four things that they cherish, and one that they would like to be rid of because it's unfair or embarrassing. And then we talk about them and why they've chosen them. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my guest this week is the actor Tony Gardner. In fact, Dr. Tony Gardner, a title he qualified for at Guy's Hospital in London in 1987. He started performing as part of the comedy double act Struck Off and Die with Dr. Phil Hammond, and was so successful that he finally left medicine behind and concentrated on acting. What a sensible man. He was Brian Johnson in the long-running children's TV series My Parents Are Aliens and Michael, the cafe owner in Jack D's sitcom Lead Balloon. But he's also been in Fresh Meat, Tracy Allman's show, Bluestone 42, Lovesick, Unforgotten, Death in Paradise and he's John in the brilliant Last Tango in Halifax. And that doesn't even scratch the surface. But when I talked to Tony in his dressing room where he was getting ready for that evening's performance... Anyone remember those days? We didn't really talk about his career. We talked about the things in his life that he cherished. And here they are. So How big is this time capsule? As big as you like. So I can also can take uh, concepts rather than actual physical things. Okay, I don't want it too big because of the no. impact on the environment, Mike. <laughs> Funny enough, I was looking up the Blue Peter ones. Because that's the only time capsules I know. And I, I remember the one in 19... I looked it all up today, but I remember watching that one on telly in 1971 yeah. with um, Noakes and Singleton and Purvis, and they, they, they buried theirs. And I remember having the annual that I got for Christmas, and it said, um, you know, we were just all sitting around. They do this little article, don't they, in the, annual, the Blue Peter annual. And um, we were saying, we've got the only our second ever millennium coming up in the year 2000, and what should we do? And we should, we should do a time capsule, remember that. And I always remember, and I was... That was when I, God knows how it would have been... 71 god i was uh seven and i remember counting up thinking oh i'll be 35 that's amazing oh that'll be crazy wow. that's mad so i was really quite into that whole concept of of them putting this thing away and what it'd be like and i think what if i'll be the one who remembers where it's going to be but they've all got little stories behind them haven't they because they opened it up live and in 2000 and singleton noakes and purvis were there and they 
they didn't want to do they, it wasn't asked live because they thought that it might all be completely disintegrated yeah falling apart yeah so they opened it up and uh, so there was a delay on it but it was okay um, there was an annual that annual that I had I think that was that had perished a bit and there was Blue Peter badges and pictures of Petra or whatever and stuff <laughs> it was all stuff about Blue Peter and some decimal coins because that was the year of decimalization oh, 1971 yeah, yeah. Um, and it was all okay uh, except that it had all been wrapped up. So someone had opened it. And then when they moved it or when they redid the Blue Peter Garden oh, and rewrapped it all up in clean film or something. And so it wasn't quite open for... But, but the, the other story is that it stank. It really smelled. <laughs> Valerie Singleton was sort of just moaning about how much it smelled and stuff. So that's my experience of time capsules. So the first thing I wanted to put in was my first car. And uh, I was... My, for some reason, I was 15... And I grew up in Wiltshire and um, my dad was a lorry driver and there was some guy selling this car and he bought it when I was 15 and we kept it in a woman's garage up the road till I was 17 and it was a beach buggy. So my first car was a bright purple glitter beach buggy and uh, I just loved that car with an absolute passion. It was just hilarious. It, it, was, it was rubbish, made of fibreglass, no doors just a little rumble seat in the back and a Volkswagen engine made an enormous noise. Two big <laughs> exhaust pipes um, coming off the back and big jag wheels on it. It sounds spectacular, but it was a rough old thing. It had a, uh, The petrol cap was from an old bus and it was always breaking down. You could get, I'd give people a lift in it because usually the starter motor wouldn't work and I'd drive it to six form. And uh, uh, if you gave me a bump start, then you could have a lift. <laughs> Uh, we you just had so much fun in that. And I went, I even went to France in it twice, drove this thing. It had seatbelts, not in the back. The back bit didn't have seatbelts. And, and we drove to France in it a couple of times, just said, right, let's all go to France. And it had these little frog lights at the front. And when we were driving from Calais to the campsite, it was dark. And my friend who came with me, they were like a six volt battery so it wouldn't work anyway and we'd painted them yellow and they would always spin round so my friend had to stand up lean over the front as we're driving along and spin them back round so they were facing the right way so so that was yeah I was stopped by the police on the first day I drove it around Trowbridge in Wiltshire and I uh, thought so, oh here we go I'm going to get stopped all the time and I was this 17 year old lad from the local comprehensive but they knew that he was in six you know anyway they, they looked checked that I had insurance checked that I had a driving license, and that was it. They never touched me again, and that was my. So for about three years, I used to drive that around the, the roads of Wiltshire, and uh, so I'd like a photograph of that. Okay. Or can I have that? You can put it in. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be able to find a photograph. I'm very happy with photographs because I think mm. that's less impact. I don't want to bury a huge beach buggy. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> Plus, I've looked it up because you can look up registrations. Two hundred nine FXE. You always remember the registrations of your first car, don't you? And uh, I've looked it up and, uh, uh, and seen if it's still registered or if it's in, in storage. No, but it's not. It's gone. It's gone? Yeah. Well, that registration is gone. And you'd always keep that registration, I think, as well. Yeah. So I think Some it, people transfer the registration from car to car. Yeah, well, I would do. In retrospect, I would do now because it would be nice to have 209 FXE. But, yeah, so much fun. And uh, it's so... Completely impractical, though. It, it, well, it was good. It got me to school and back. I was lived nine miles from school. It was so much fun. And, it never and, rained and, in Wiltshire. Well, we, we had a hood, you know. Oh, right. You could stick the hood on. But yeah, it was a bit rough in the winter. I suppose it reflects how, what an idyllic childhood I had. I really did. And it, I was an only child. And, and so it also reflects perhaps I was a bit spoiled and stuff. But not in a bad way. I, you know, I, 
it was nothing for my dad. Of course, he's going to buy a car from the guy, at the, one of the lorry drivers, and keep it in a garage for me to have when I'm seventeen. <laughs> uh, and we, we we had and we all have fun with it as a family. So it was so, the, so it's it's a nice symptom of of what a joyous childhood I had and the fun we had as a kid. So to have this beach buggy, I'm very proud of it. I didn't have a name or anything, but it was. Uh, was fun yeah so that's number one my yeah. beach buggy so I, could, I don't mind putting a, a steering wheel in it but we couldn't find it I thought about that or a wheel but just a photo we'll be fine alright we'll just put the photo in there then so your dad was a lorry driver yeah and you ended up qualifying as a doctor yes yeah 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 and um, that's impressive yeah yeah I went to a uh, or is it just you you're just a genius no 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 it, it's my dad who made me work actually mm. um, yeah they just instilled me just a, a a desire from a very young age to work hard and to be a doctor from a young age, which I wanted to do. So here we're coming on to my second. Thing. Okay. And there's quite a lot of people. It's it's sort of I'm always asked about being a doctor. It comes up all the time, and and I used to get a bit nervous about it. Not nervous, just thinking actually no one else talks about it. I'm going to keep quiet about it now. But I always do, and and it's because it actually does define me. I wouldn't be an actor if I hadn't have been a doctor. Absolutely not, you know. And and so my dad and and mum. No one in my family had ever taken an exam, let alone go to university. But I went to went to Guy's Hospital and I, I, I uh, qualified as a doctor. And um, then when I did my house jobs, met Phil Hammond. Uh, um, and we did the Christmas show. And then three years later, he said, um, I've just done 10 minutes stand up on, on medicine. I said, let's go to Edinburgh. And we took a show to Edinburgh in 1990. And that's how I got into this business. Mm. So what I'd like to put in is... And I was enormously, the proudest day of my life, to, apart from when my kids achieve things, but it, it, it was the day I qualified as a doctor. And uh, so I'd like to put in my medical certificate um, from Guy's Hospital. Brilliant. And, uh, uh, because that really defines who I am, and I'm very proud of it. All my friends are doctors. I was very proud to become a doctor. My wife's a doctor. Um, my son's just got into med school. You know, it's still <laughs> it's very much part of our lives. And, and it gave me everything. It gave me... An opportunity to we used to go to Edinburgh with the London Hospital, even though guys didn't go up. I went with the London and performed, and did, but I, I still didn't ever think I was going to get into this business. I just lucked out by going up with Phil to Edinburgh in 1990 as the double act struck off and I, and um, and just fell into acting. And uh, because I married a doctor, it was enabled me to leave general practice, the little that I was doing, and, and become a, an actor. But um, and that was late enough not for you to feel a sense that you were letting your parents down, having got that there, far. There was a bit of that going on. Even when I started doing telly and things, Dad would always say, you know, he said, well, you've still got to keep it in you. You know, you can still go back to it, Tone. You know, he's, he's Bristol. So you can still go back to it. You've got to go. So I always felt a little sense of he's not doing the right things. They only want the best for you. Mm. And, and so I think it, I'd have to ask him, but I think it took him a little while to get over it. But then they started enjoying the success. And But I only think it was get, doing Last Tango that they suddenly had a programme that they could identify with and their friends could identify with that they went, yeah, brilliant, Tony, that's really good, actually. You, you maybe give up medicine. I want that. I haven't done it for 20 years. But, uh, yeah, so... I, you finally did a programme they could watch. Yeah, it's just a... It's, it's a weird thing, yeah. I, I wouldn't recommend that route by any means, but it's given me everything. And like I say, it totally defines who I am. Mm. Uh, I, it was by becoming a doctor and meeting the people I've met and, and it's, it's very much part of who I am and uh, it, it always will be. And I loved it. I really love being a doctor. Uh, but then I also love this. But 
It takes a long time to train as a doctor, though, doesn't it? When I did it, it was five years, five possibly years. six, and then you have to do. A, then we did a house job for a year, and then, and then it was three years to train to be a GP. Yeah, wow. so I sort of went to be a GP. So yeah, it went on and on, and I. But I mean, I sort of broke up my GP training by taking six months off and doing locums so that Phil and I could go to Edinburgh and things. But um, yeah, yeah, and it's interesting having a son who's about to go to medical school because I wouldn't wish, you know, I don't want him to run away to join the circus the way I have but it's just it's just fortune it's not it just when things sort of fall into place they just they just do I, I just happen to find something else I like just as much and and to be honest was making a career out of it I'd started doing my parents are aliens by the time I completely finished meds um working as a GP but uh yeah it's funny how it's all come full circle but I'm so proud of of, of my son going to med school it's ridiculous that I was going to put in the, the achievements of my children as a, as a concept mm. because that trumps everything I've ever done and every from from getting grade one piano all the way up to getting into university graduating from university getting it, but it's 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 it, I did mention that to my eldest and he just said that's ridiculous so <laughs> why don't you put in world illness or you know <laughs> childhood disease I said yeah fair enough I won't put that but at least I mentioned it because <laughs> that's that's the that's the thing I'm most proud of is anything anything my children do uh, 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 and achieve and and you know getting into a sports team or anything like that but um it's it, when you have kids you sort of realize that that yeah it's it's interesting that, that sort of always which is probably was for my parents, so it must have been a terrible disappointment before. <laughs> but anyway, so not that. So I've got in my beach buggy and yes. my medical certificate. I don't know where my... It was in my mum and dad's house in France for years, and they mum died and, and a couple of years ago, and, and dad moved, has moved back, and I've got it now. I'm not quite sure where it is. It is in a frame. I've always wanted to put it in the loo, just as not because I'm. But we've got a sort of like a trophy loo that's got the RTS award from my parents' radios and things, and lots of play posters and things but my dad was always a bit reticent about me putting it in the loo I don't think that's very funny to not you don't want to put that that's you where you go when you're ill you need to be very proud of that where's the middle loo so we don't oh right no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> nobody goes there no the middle loo is just for trophies and, um, so I think that's yeah that, uh, the fact that it's got my med school on it and um, my wife was at my med school and my friends of my med school and I'm very much guys and yeah so that means a lot to me so if anyone or myself opens it up I'll go oh yeah look he had a beach buggy he was spoiled Spoilt little brat in Wiltshire, and then he became a doctor. So there you go. <laughs> so, did you have an ambition to be an actor when you were young? No, 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 never at all. I always had an ambition to be a doctor. But you know, I look back and I, did, I remember seeing an Anna Scher documentary. Oh God, I must. And I looked it up recently, actually, to see when it was. And I think it was sort of 69, 70. I remember watching that and just being, wow, what an amazing thing that these. And I remember seeing the kids on Why Don't You and stuff. And you know, in these programmes that would have Oliver Twist and things like that, just thinking it was amazing. But but by that time, I'm, bang, I'm, I'm going to be a doctor. You know, I had to give up every, you know, all the art subjects and do all the sciences, and, and you just become a scientist. And uh, it's very strange going back to it now, and sort of, which is why I love it. So every time I get a play, I read every play going by that author. And, uh, yeah, I'm sort of learning on the job, which is what I've done all the, all the way along, really. Lovely. Well, we're going to put your medical certificate into the time capsule. Hurrah. So what's your third item? Right. So this is the next thing. Something else that absolutely, totally, 100% defines me as a person. Now, I could have a picture of my kids, which I've mentioned before, but I think I can combine the two here. 
but it's 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 got to be something to do with the Glastonbury Festival. And Glastonbury somewhere that Kate and I first went. I didn't. I used to live nearby. Never went. It was there from 1970, but I never went. And, and I didn't go until after we went to. I think our first Glastonbury was 97. Kate and I went, and then um, or 96. And then it's just turned into this huge thing that I remember the next year, a few more friends from guys came, a few more. And so now it's, it's a huge group of us that go every year. I think we've got 80 going this year. And it's, it's, it's friends and extended friends and our friends' kids with the proviso that they're over 16. So some of them are in their 30s now, these kids, but we've know occasionally we've let a sort of... Kate and I have taken us ones under 16 and it's a different festival. It's very much... Our holiday, our chance to meet up with friends, um, huge, huge part of, uh, of all our lives. It's brought us all closer together. You wouldn't see these friends, you know, if, who, that live at the other side of the country. But every year we see each other for five, six days. And um, it's, maybe I'd like to put in, uh, as a concept, I'll put in the Thursday of the Glastonbury Festival. Uh, okay that's the best of that's just off the top of my head now but that is the best day of the year and people say what do you mean well we we turn up on the tuesday night we camp because there's so many of us we take all the tents of those people that can't go we sleep in the queue and then we get in at eight o'clock put all the tents up wednesday's great wednesday night we're down the side of our uh, down the side of bus thursday we're always outside the west holtz bar all day there's not much music on so that Thursday, when the music starts, everyone's doing different things. There's 250,000 people in the field all doing, going crazy, doing different things. But that Wednesday and Thursday, it's a chance to just talk with your friends for an entire day and sit in the sunshine and drink cider. There's a, there's a, a Brothers Pear Cider um, bar, and we always have one or two of those. They do these terrible, beautiful fruit ciders, but you can only have two because it just sends you nuts. But that sets you up for the day. <laughs> you have a different... You might have coconut or a lime one or whatever, and you have a couple of those. It's pretty much like having a pint of, of weak wine. I mean, it gets you absolutely wrecked. <laughs> but everyone knows we're going to be there. Charlotte Ritchie popped past... Because I always, everyone just knows Thursday we'll be outside. The, I've told everyone that, but it doesn't matter. Anyone who's at Glastonbury is very welcome to come and say hello. Um, so that the Thursday of Glastonbury before the music starts outside the West Holtz bar that's going in the thing let's put that in as a concept love it you know as you get older you make friends and your university friends are always the best friends of the friends from those years because you spent so many hours together getting bored together living in the same flats together making mistakes together so they're already my close friends now once you get older you make friends you might have two or three dinner parties a year but you don't or go on a golf I don't play golf but go on holiday possibly but when you're having kids you just you know you don't make these sort of close friends anymore your real friends closest friends that's why I believe that they're your, your friends from school and university and um, so the chance to in later life still hook up with those people and then sit for a, a whole day outside a bar hopefully in the sunshine drinking brother's pear cider just the two pints and then going on to session lager um, <laughs> it's the best day of the year it means so much to us all and uh, yeah and then we just have a wonderful experience so it's, it is the Glastonbury Festival but it's particularly the Wednesday or the Thursday outside the West Holtz Bar that's my favourite day of the year <laughs> oh, it's gorgeous <laughs> I've only been to Glastonbury Festival once and I went there to perform and then so uh, I stayed there but I went with my son who was an adult by then yeah. and of course he knew all about the Glastonbury Festival he'd been lots of times yeah. so he was able to show me around oh great so you know what I'm talking about I do I think it's brought us closer to our kids. I really do. I think it's um, 
It's not in a sort of, oh, aren't they wonderful, aren't they fantastic, but we all go to the festival together and we all camp in the same area. And so there's everyone, there's always someone back there. And we, it, it's just as likely to be one of the kids, like I say, are in their 20s anyway now, as it is to be, you know, one of us sort of thing. And so we all just muck along and, and uh, in the way that music has brought us together, because we all like the same thing. And, the, and that festival in particular has brought us together. Because it's not just the, the adults who are outside the West Hots Bar, it's everyone. They all do it as well. The Thursday, that Thursday is just fantastic. fantastic. And it's important, isn't it, for your children to see you acting as you would with other adults? Oh, yeah, that can go the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, 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 it's not. I agree. I know what you're saying. And uh, yeah, they just see us warts and all. They just know we're just as mad as they are. But um, yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, a shared experience. Yeah. Like all arts, it's a shared experience, really, isn't it, going to theatres and cinemas and stuff and 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 Glastonbury is very much about still even though there aren't campfires but sitting around in a circle staring into a fire and chatting yeah and uh Joe Strummer was the big fan of that and and there's so many times at Glastonbury during the weekend you will sit around the fire and just have a chat and just do stuff that you wouldn't normally do it's uh it's a very magical place it's a brilliant place I, I've I've now diluted it to sitting outside a bar drinking, drinking cider <laughs> on a Thursday but yeah it's much more spiritual than that of course <laughs> oh, depends well. who your god is yeah. <laughs> the god of cider yeah mine's <laughs> Mr Brother who makes that cider <laughs> so where are we what have we put in so far We've put in the concept of um, sitting outside the West Holtz Bar on the Thursday of Glastonbury. Mm-hmm. Uh, my medical certificate, a beach buggy, yes. or part thereof. <laughs> and possibly I don't want my whole medical degree in there, actually. Can I just have a really good copy of it? Yes, yeah, thank you. I'm sure we can get in touch with guys and get yeah. them to give us a, a copy of it. Yeah, yeah, if they're still talking to me. Um... We're going to take a short break here for some adverts. We'll be back very shortly. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome back. Okay, let's find out what the fourth thing is that Tony Gardner would like to put into his time capsule. I want to put in, say, I want to put in something to do with skiing because that's something that is, is very much part of my life. Again, I went with the school for the first time and then got my parents to get into it. <laughs> I don't think they ever really had any intention of, but we had some lovely holidays. So, yeah, despite me always saying I'm from a working class background, I'm a working class background yet. Yes, my dad was a lorry driver, but we did go skiing because I really wanted to. And uh, 
so I've skied since I was about 12, 13 and, um, and my kids now ski and uh, it's just where I'm apart from sitting outside apart from Glastonbury is where I'm happiest uh, in the mountains and, and skiing so um, just maybe the ski boot that I've had longest just one of my ski boots I'm going to get a new pair next year so I don't mind you just putting in my yellow Salomon ski boot that's been all over the world with me including heli skiing I went wow. heli skiing for my 40th birthday and um, so you're a good skier I'm all right. I mean, I could be a lot, should be a lot better, but I've, I've just sort of, you know, you just go once a year sort of thing, but good enough to, yeah, get down most things. And, uh, and the heli skiing was, was extraordinary. And, and my whole Where life, was that? Where did you do that? Canada. Yeah. I've got a big Canada connection because I went in our final year of med school, you had to go somewhere in the world for two months to learn about medicine in another country. And, you know, people, either went to sort of, you know, third world countries or did amazing things in jungles in Borneo and Papua New Guinea or wherever. And, and, or you could go to Australia and have a beach holiday <laughs> and do nothing. Or go, me and my mate went to Canada because we were big skiers. <laughs> and and uh, we, we were assisting an operation, probably about the first or second day we were there. And he's saying, uh, so what do you, uh, what do you, why do you come to Kamloops? He said, well, because um, we're quite keen skiers. And he said, oh, I've got a condominium up on the mountain there, a tired mountain. Why don't you go up there? And my kids are coming back from UBC, the University of British Columbia, in a couple of days. And they'll join you. And uh, you don't need to be here. So off we went. And that's, uh, and I'm still friends with all those lovely people, the Mitchells. And, uh, and so that's why, yeah, we go to Canada and... Uh, Loads of great, great friends there. And um, so I went heli skiing in Canada with one of the Mitchells, this surgeon's son. And uh, yeah, that was a a hell of an experience. That was amazing. What's your favourite resort? Where's the place you most enjoy? Anywhere where the snow's good. Um, But it has been Canada, yeah, yeah. It was called Todd Mountain when I was there. Um, It's now called Sun Peaks. And uh, I've had more great times there and good snow there. And I've taken Kate there and uh, my wife and uh, my kids have been there. And... um, We'd like to go there again, back up to Todd, but uh, it's just, just good skiing and good people and empty, empty slopes and uh, yeah, yeah. So Todd Mountain maybe. Mm. Yeah, I've been to Colorado. Oh wow, I've skied America. It was too high. I suffered from altitude. Oh, really? Yeah. What was it over three thousand meters or something? Mm. I, I just went up there too quickly. Just got in the car and we flew to Colorado. And yeah. Just got in a higher car and just drove straight up there. What was it? Aspen, Keystone. <sighs> wow. And I, the thing I liked most about it was that they give you a key card for your room, and then that acted as a, a credit card for everything in the town. At the end of the week, they gave you a bill for your Give you a massive bill because you didn't feel massive. like you were spending anything. Massive. <laughs> it was the first time I realised how dangerous credit yeah. cards would be. Yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. So, yeah. So then I would... So, de- so de- those four things. So that's, yeah, the ski boot would... would that's So if I open that up, I'd be going, oh, there's my ski boot. You have two rather expensive holidays <laughs> to save up for every year, don't you? <laughs> like, is not every year. Uh, it? It's every it's every year apart from every fifth. Right. Every fifth is fallow, and, and obviously this year because of the coronavirus. But um, who knows? Uh, it is our holiday. It's nuts. It is our holiday. And you can come back and need a holiday. Uh, yeah, come back absolutely exhausted. <laughs> everyone was putting pictures of, of what they were doing on... Usually everyone takes the Tuesday off as well, the Monday and the Tuesday, but the Wednesday, all these photos are coming through with 
architects just looking like crap and various <laughs> offices and, and dentists and orthodontists and, and my friends and looking down microscopes because he's a pathologist and uh, surgeons all with masks on, all looking like shit, thinking, oh, my God, I'm still covered in glitter and all this. <laughs> and me in some voiceover booth <laughs> trying... It was a pickup for a voiceover I'd done the week before, so my voice was about an octave lower. Croaky <laughs> <laughs> voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're more with proper jobs. Me with this bloody pair of headphones on, just going, you know, talk, test, treat today, or whatever it was. I was, doing. <laughs> yeah. I was the voice of erectile dysfunction for many years. <laughs> okay, so that's four things we've got in there. So that's four reasonable things that sort of define me. And uh, you know, we could have a photo of us at Glastonbury and things. But I think, yeah, it's just you don't want to open up a time capsule and just find four photos. It's like the Blue Peter one. It's just Blue Peter badges, a few coins, and and an annual. It's sort of no, we need something. So yeah, so so really nice. When you get old enough and you think to yourself, I just can't get to Glastonbury anymore, but I'd love to go and sit outside that bar. You'll know where the time capsule is. Oh right, you can go and dig it up. Yeah, 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 and I can have that experience. You can sit. I probably don't want to stay there for the music. I just want that Thursday. Yeah. I can just have a couple of hours. Well, that's nice. Okay, well, that's, that's brilliant. What a great idea, Mike. <laughs> so um, what is it you want to put right at the bottom in its own little compartment and bury away? Well, well, you gave me an idea. I'm not going to say what yours is, but you gave me an idea, and it was something that happened to me. It was the, probably the most painful and uncomfortable experience of my life. So that's what I'd like to put in. And, I, and I'd had a couple of, of urine infections about 10 years ago or something. And um, it's odd for men to get urine infections. They let you have one. After two, they just say, well, that's not good. You, know, you, you need to be tested. So you have all these dye tests and, and scans to make sure there's nothing odd going on. And then they need to look in your bladder. And they said, right, we're going to do a cystoscopy. So that's where they put a telescope in. Mm-hmm. And I said, OK, and do you do that under general anaesthetic? Or, or he said, no, no, no. He said, most of the men... He lied. He said most of the men, and he didn't lie, because most of the elderly men do have it done. Did most of the men just have it done under local? I said, oh, fine, I'll have it done under local, stupidly. <laughs> Never again. So I went in, and I think a lot of the, you know, they are elderly men who have it done, and I'm not, I don't know, but it seemed to me a lot worse for me for some reason, whether that's to do with how the, the pipes have changed with age or get a little bit more flexible. But anyway, the, the local anaesthetic is just a little tube of, of lignocaine gel. So that goes in, <laughs> down the old John Todger. And that's that hurt. I'm not good with pain. <laughs> and so you're lying there and it went, and in it goes. So this is what I want to put in my cystoscopy. So that went in and, and then they wait for that to work. Not long enough, I might say. Did it, was it long enough? And then they put the, the scope in, straight in. And it's like, I just went, oh, scream. Oh, you're not scream. Try not to scream. It hurt like hell. And then they're, they're, they're poking around and it's a really visceral pain. So I can feel it now. It's sort of not only painful, but very uncomfortable. But, and I'm sure women have this hundred times worse when they have childbirth and, and caesareans under low and things like that. But the idea that something's deep within you moving about and... So that's all going on, and they're going and chatting away and saying, all right, don't worry. He said, do you want to look at the screen? I said, no, I don't want to look at the screen. <laughs> he had the screen, because he's doing all this, looking, not looking down, because they look at the screen. He said, no, 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 all right. So they go, he said, right, and we're just so, that's terrible. And, and it must have gone on for about, probably about a minute or two, maybe. Felt like ten minutes. Mm. It was hellish. Oh, it's just deep pain, sort of. Not pain, it was just uncomfortableness, and, but sore on the external bit. And then... 
to cap it all at the end, say, right, we're just going to fill up the bladder now, and they pump it full of water and give you even more pain, like the pain of really needing a wee. So I die, going, ah, God, oh, oh, come on, you've got to finish this. Out it comes, they empty the bladder, and it's like a huge relief. And I stood up. He said, are you all right? I said, no. I said, I'm, not, I'm never going to have... If I ever have one again, I'll have a GA. I can't go through that again. I said, that was awful. And I stood up and he looked at me and I swear to God, he said, this doctor, the surgeon just said, he said, I, uh, he said, I think you need to go to the pub. <laughs> I said, I think I do. And I did. Because <laughs> <laughs> the bladder was still working. Jeez, it was horrible. Oh. It was horrible. It was all clear as well. But yeah, just that fear of of having to have a, a, a cystoscopy again. So I'd like to put in my cystoscopy that I had one sort of Tuesday afternoon in King's and then went over to the pub over the road, which was the, um, the Firkin pub. <laughs> so that's what I'd like to put in. You could put that in with pleasure. Yeah, so that's another experience. So I put two experiences, part of a car, my medical certificate and a ski boot. There you go. That's lovely. There are really nice things in there. I'm just glad that's gone in there, though, and I'm going to shut that tight because that's a horrible, horrible thing to go yeah, through. But the problem is, though, you were a doctor. You know, you're a qualified doctor, mm. and it really, as part of your remit, I would think you should be encouraging people to have exploratory tests. And I should be having it as any well. problem. And I, I, I think the same as all men, really, is any excuse not to have them done, you know. Yeah, but, uh, yeah absolutely. But that's just me. You know, any, any woman you interview would always presume... No, they're not going to say it, because they, it's not. But I, if, if it was a man, they'd go, well, that first baby I had, I wouldn't want to go through that again. I wonder if women will. I bet they won't. I bet they'll just... Because they wouldn't, because it was so wonderful at the end of it. But maybe they might put in the pain they experience. Yeah. But I've heard the other way, you know, that thing. And the oh, fellow no. said to me, do you want anaesthetic or do you want a general anaesthetic? And I said, no. How long does it last? Mm. And he said it lasts about two minutes. And I thought, well, I can stand it for two minutes. But what's always given me the fear about that, this is, I, should, I don't want to put people off, but it's, they give you something called midazolam, I think. That's what they used to do. And it's a drug that they give you that... Um, it's really uncomfortable having an endoscope, you know, an endoscopy like you're talking about uh, down the esophagus and into the stomach. And I, the idea of it is because you've got to swallow it, haven't you? And the yeah. idea of it, to me, I just think that would be awful. But they you know, give you midazolam. But midazolam works by... You're very aware of it at the time. I may be totally wrong here, but as far as I, I was concerned, you get, you get post-traumatic amnesia. So although you're going through hell at the time, you don't remember it. <laughs> now, that's a concept for me is even worse. <laughs> like, no, I can't have that because I'll be going, oh, my God, this is the worst thing. I know I'm going to be able to forget it afterwards because you're giving me this. But at the time, you go, oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. This is terrible. And afterwards, you go, that wasn't too bad. I, don't, I didn't know. It's OK. That's because you've forgotten about it because the drug has made you forget about it. That's not fair. Perhaps I should have had that because I didn't have anything. You remember it. And I just, and I remember it in complete detail. Mm. I remember the person saying to me, if you feel that you need to burp, because we are pumping air down there to open it up and everything, she said, if you feel you need to burp, then do. And I just burped, a continuous burp for about two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And just burp. That's all I did for two minutes. And eventually she said... Actually, it would be really useful if you didn't burp all the time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there we are. That's it. Brilliant. So, Tony, Tony, thank you very much. It's really been lovely to find out the things you want to put in your typecast. Thank you yeah. for being on it. Thank you for inviting me. I've really enjoyed it. You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my guest, Tony Gardner. 
If you liked it, you can subscribe to this podcast on Acast or your own favorite podcast provider, and they'll send you a new episode every week. Just imagine that. If you have the time, we'd really appreciate it if you could rate us and write a short review. And you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for all the latest about my time capsule. You just search at my TC pod. Or you can follow me at Fenton Stevens on Twitter or at Mike Fenton Stevens on Instagram. My Time Capsule is a cast off production. The producer was John Fenton Stevens and the music was by Pass the Peas Music. Thanks for listening. Until next time, see ya. <laughs>